0: Let me ask you a question: How many of you already have a present at home, maybe under a tree or waiting for you? Everybody already? Anybody already have that? So here's my next question: How do you know? <laughs> because one year I'll never forget. Now, um, my brothers and I had this wonderfully annoying habit of being able to. It didn't matter how mom wrapped it. Didn't matter what she did, what box she put it in, how she made it look, or whatever we had the ability to go, oh, that's whatever. And it just drove her nuts at times because we could always pick what it was that she had bought for us. But one year she got us because you know what she did? She wrapped all these presents with our names on them. And then what we would do on Christmas morning is, you know, nobody was allowed to open a present until everybody had distributed all the presents. It wasn't just this. So we would get them and you'd stack them all in front. And so here I am with this boxes of things that says Lindell on them stacked right in front of me. And she goes, okay, is everybody ready? All right, Lindell, you give yours to Lance. Lance, you give yours? Because she had put everybody else's name on them because she knew if we went to ours, we would go and, oh. So that being said, you know, you may have a present there with your name on it, but do you know it's really yours? And then it always brings this question to mind for me. Even if you know that you have a present sitting under the tree, can I ask you a question? When does that present actually become your present? What's that, Peggy? After you unwrap it. See, until then, it's not yours. Until you actually take it and you open it and then you take possession of it, that's when it becomes yours. That present can be there. Someone could have thought of you and could have gone and worked on something or got you something and have it all prepared for you. But until you actually take that present and open it and make it yours, it's not yours. And the reason I say that is because we live in this time in history to all, but the question is, is he yours? Have you accepted that gift yet? Because though he may be available and taking him as your own, then he for you. If you have not accepted him, asked him into your heart, taking him as your own, then he is not yours. Anticipation is one of the great things about the Christmas season. We work and we live in anticipation. Anticipation that you know, Christmas is coming, that we're celebrating Jesus, that we're going to open gift, that we're going to have a gift. We're anticipating all these things about the Christmas season. And one of these things that anticipation teaches us is it teaches us to prepare ourselves and to be ready for what may be coming. And that's one of the things I love about the Christmas season is that we are preparing for what may be coming. And Christmas season teaches us to do what we ought to be doing in our Christian life as well, which is preparing for the second coming of Jesus Christ. You see, what happens at Christmas is we understand that God's kingdom has already been established. He's here. He's answered the question. He's responded to us. He has made himself known. And his kingdom has been established. It is already established. But it is not yet fully here because we know and we anticipate that God will be coming again. But the until Christ comes it's Already here, it's already ours, it's already established, but it's not yet in its fullness until Christ comes again. If you will, take your Bible, because once again, they're not gonna be on the screens this morning. And there's a Bible in the pew in front of you if you need it. But let's look at Luke chapter one and starting in verse 26, I'm gonna read this. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel, but she was deeply tr- said greetings favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. And then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and his name is Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had Sexual relations with a man. The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, and consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary's response was, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. And over these past few weeks, you see, like we've been looking at over these past few weeks, God has things for us that he has prepared. He loves us. He sent his son Jesus Christ for us. He gives us himself. He gives us a word. And then he invites us to follow him and if we choose to then follow Jesus then we go on this journey with him and he leads us and he guides us and he takes us through life through the ups and through the downs leading us all along the path of life so that we can know and so that we can discover him and we sometimes have our own minds made up about what our life is supposed to look like and supposed to be, and then God comes along and perhaps gives us a word that looks a little bit different than what we might think it would be. What Mary was doing at this point in time was she was preparing for a wedding. Have you ever been around a lady who's preparing for a wedding? This is not a person you want to interrupt. Amen. Amen. I see some. Amen. All right. When they're preparing, they got plans. They have things that are going to happen. But here's what we need to understand. God came in and said, hey, I know you have plans for your life and they kind of look like this, but I'm going to send these plans in a different direction. And we need to understand that when God intervenes in our life like that, God's plans are not an interruption. They're the path to life. We need to be thankful that Mary was humble enough to say, even in her fear and even in her unsureness, that I am the Lord's servant, may your word be fulfilled. She didn't go, hey, excuse me, God, I appreciate all this, but I got plans. I got things that I, I have planned to do. I I got stuff that, that I want to, to happen in my life. But we all may have plans for our life, but only God's plans will actually guide us to find true life. And so we need to trust that God is always at work to move his When you have an unwavering belief, to accept change is much easier when you have an unwavering belief that God is always at work and will lead you to what is best. That's the only reason that we would choose to move forward in life with what God has for us instead of what we have planned for ourselves. And that is if we understand that if God comes in and I may have plans heading this direction, then he says something to me. I need to trust his word. I need to take him at his word. And I need to move. You see, because God already has something planned for us. He has something great for us. He has something in mind for us. But we've not yet taken a hold of it unless we choose to follow him. The greatest gift ever given in Jesus Christ can be yours if you will choose to follow him and if you believe that God is at work in your life because the best life will come by following God's will. And all these things in life that we may think are confusing or unsettling or or just impossible to get done, we need to understand that God gives us not only his son, but he gives us the promise of life. And I love what Matthew 6.33 tells us, that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that all these things will be taken care of as well. And that's literally a promise from God saying all the details of life that we spend so much of our life wondering about, worried about, upset about sometimes that if we will choose to just truly follow God that he will teach us how to put all those things in perspective and he will take care of each one of those things. We must become convinced just like Mary was convinced that no matter what God's word leads us to it's what's best for us and that's how we receive that gift. You see to get your life where it will be its best is it's simply this. It's a process of hearing and adjusting. People ask me oftentimes, well, okay, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I accepted him as Lord and Savior. And and then now I just kind of go, okay, well, well now what what do I do? I mean, what does this mean? How do I live my life? Well, we then are, are making a decision. What it means to give your life to Christ and to follow Jesus means that you first confess that he is Lord and Savior and so you ask him into your life you you have forgiveness of sins and so you have the promise of eternal life but then hopefully from the point in time there are a lot of years and to the point that you experience eternal life on the other side of this life there are a lot of years And people wonder, well, what do I do in those years? Those years are spent learning to follow God's word, hearing his word and adjusting my life to be more of the person that he wants me to be. That's the path of being a disciple, but it's also the path of life because God gives us this great gift to say, I will guide you through this life and lead you that this life can be more than you ever imagined it can be if you will trust and follow me. And that's the picture that we see at work in Mary's life into your word. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. Isn't that the prayer that we all need to be praying? I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. You see, life begins when we let God lead, we give our life to Him and then we follow Him, we let Him lead us. And when we do that, just like we understand that God's kingdom has already been established in Jesus Christ, but yet it has not come to its full capacity and its fullness and its finish on this earth. We anticipate his second coming. We need to understand that when we choose to follow Jesus Christ and we ask him to be Lord and Savior, that I am already restored. I am forgiven. I am a new creation, but I am not yet complete. Because I still continue in this word to follow him. And, and I will just tell you, amen, I'm reminded all the time that I am not yet complete. Praise the Lord, I'm a lot different than I used to be. But boy, I'm reminded sometimes I got a long way to go. You know what I mean? And that's just it. And it's at those times that I rely on the promise of God that he loves me not based on the things that I can do and what I produce in my life. He loves me based on his grace and his goodness because he gave me the greatest gift of all in Jesus Christ, understanding that on my own I can't be good enough. And if I will accept that gift, if I will unwrap it and own it for myself, then I can experience life in all its fullness. We have a promise. We've been talking about this over the past couple of months, this particular verse, uh, in the past couple of months in the student ministry. And uh, it's this verse. It's in 2 Peter chapter 1. It starts in verse 3. And listen to, listen, just listen to what this says. His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything required by his own glory and goodness. Godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Isn't that an awesome promise? That when we choose to follow Jesus Christ, He gives us everything that we need for life and for godliness. And then Peter goes on and he writes these words that as a response, to make every effort to add to it. And because of that, for this very reason, we're to make every effort. To add to our faith goodness and to our goodness knowledge and to our knowledge self-control and self-control endurance and endurance godliness and godliness brotherly affection and brotherly affection love. We're supposed to be working those things into our life as a response that God has already given us everything. You see, we lit the love candle today. We live in anticipation that Christ is going to come again. And what are we then supposed to do as we wait for Christ to come? We're supposed to love. We're supposed to love him. We're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to love the unlovable. That's what God tells us to do. And the only way that we have the power to do that is by accepting that gift of Jesus Christ and allowing him to live through us. But as we do that, that's when we experience life in its fullness. God gives us a word. He prepares a gift. He gives us a call. He asks us to follow. And then when we choose to do that, we, we go on this journey with him. We walk this life with him. We are not yet complete, but we know where we're going. And along the way, God fulfills his word. He fulfills his promises. He encourages us. He sustains us. He sees us through. Even when we fall short, he never falls short. And that's the great gift that we have. And we live now in anticipation that Jesus is coming again. And we look forward to that day that the kingdom of God will be established. And and here's the truth about this. The kingdom of God is going to be established in your life one of two ways. You will either choose to know and to follow Jesus and to find the life that comes and allow him to begin to build his kingdom in your heart and share it with other people, or you will see the kingdom of God established in judgment when we see Jesus face to face. That's just the truth of Scripture. You know, I find it—I'm very careful about making parallels to um, to things that we hear in culture all the time. But I mean, you think about this idea that runs deep in the minds of each one of us: is that Christmas is coming, and if I've been good, I look forward to receiving good things. But if I haven't been good, I'm getting coal. I'm coal or rock or something else. I'm not, I'm not getting. We, I, I know we have this innate understanding that, you know, if, if I've been good, then I know good things are coming. But if I've not been good, then I, I think not, bad, not good things are coming. But here's actually the word of the gospel is you can't be good enough. And so since you can't be good enough, God gave a gift to bridge that gap in Jesus Christ. And, and he bridged that gap for us To overcome our shortcomings because we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if we will accept that gift, unwrap that gift, own it, ask Him into our life, then we've received it and we've received eternal life. And then because of that, our response is to then live for Him and find life. We don't try to do all these things to earn God's love. God's already given us Himself fully. The question is, have you received it? The gift is there, it's been given. It's available to you if you will take it.